Amen. Edition here. And we'll welcome back to our uh, summer series. Uh, we've just called an investigation where we are just putting the things of, of the church and the church on uh, under investigation and asking the standard who, what, when, where, why, how questions of things of the church. Now, by now, hopefully, is that my mic doing that? By now, hopefully, we all know what the church is. It is uh, more than a building. It is the people. We are God's number one plan to bring the gospel to a lost and dying world. Uh, we, we have seen that uh, the church won't be overcome by anything, and it will last forever. And uh, just recently, we saw that the church is the most glorious building project in the world, and we are called to live on mission. Uh, last week, we asked the question, okay, why? Why should we live on mission? Why should we be the church? Why should we let our lights shine? Why should I let my part, why should I do my part in this church? And the reason is to glorify God. And it kind of comes down to the difference between cats and dogs. We examined the book, Cat and Dog Theology. Dog theology says, Lord, you love me, you bless me abundantly, you gave your life for me, you must be God. But cat theology says, Lord, you love me, you bless me abundantly, you gave your life for me, I must be God. And we saw that it is an issue of obedience, it's an issue of the heart, but ultimately it is all about God. All of creation is made in such a way that pleases Him. All of creation is made for Him to enjoy it. He shares it with us, but it was made for Him. Every atom of this physical world listens to Him until you get to His most precious creation, which is you and me, and we are the only ones that tell Him no. Last week's message, it caused me to evaluate my own life. My obedience is what honors him the most, but I so easily live for my glory instead. And so we ask the questions, whose glory do you live for? Where do you find your purpose? What platform has God currently given you, whether you like it or not, but he's calling you to give him glory from it and through it? Well, the question that I hope to answer today is, How? How are we supposed to move forward with what God calls us to do? How are we supposed to live on mission? How am I supposed to give God glory from the platform he's given me, especially if I don't like it? How do we know what God calls us to? And the simple uh, yet uh, quite complicated answer to that question is through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to look at today. Uh, We're going to start in John 16. And Jesus is is speaking to his disciples here, and it's always really blown my mind what he says in verse 7. It says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, this is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is is saying, listen, it's for your advantage that I leave so the Holy Spirit would come. Now, I kind of think, 
okay, Jesus, let's, let's think this through a little bit. I, I feel like it would be best if you just stayed on earth so we can, we can hang out with you and, and, and be with you. But according to him, it's better for his followers to have the Holy Spirit. Now, many times in the Baptist church, uh, we don't really like to talk too much about the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if uh, we're scared of him. Uh, many of us might agree the Holy Spirit has been misused in religion in the past. And so to ensure that that won't happen again, sometimes we just all but remove him. But I don't think we need to be scared of him, and yet we should guard against misuse. But there is evidence throughout all of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, The Holy Spirit is God. He is equal to God the Father and God the Son. So, what do we know about him other than it's better that Jesus would leave so that he would come? Number one on your outline, we know that he is the helper. He is the helper. Uh, In John 15, 26, it says this, But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, think about the disciples. They had the monumental task of getting Christianity off the ground in the midst of immense persecution. And and that persecution came from all sides. It was ultimately rooted and fueled by Satan, but they needed help. Now, consider ourselves. Because you and I have the mission to keep it going. We don't face persecution like they did, or like some do, but Satan still has plans to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that's what he does. And I don't know about you, but I desperately need help. So it is no coincidence that the Holy Spirit is called the Helper. The Greek word there is parakletos. Say that with me. Parakletos. It may be translated as helper or comforter or advocate, depending on what version you're looking at. But here's part of the definition of parakletos. It is one who is summoned. One who is called to one's side or aid. So get that picture in your mind, the truth of who the Holy Spirit is. He is summoned, he is called to one's side, to our side, or aid. And so if you know Jesus, you are not alone. When when God calls you to do your part, even when it seems impossible, when, when God calls you to live on mission, whatever he calls you to do, he doesn't just say, this is what I want you to do, good luck with that. No, he sent the helper to stand by your side. Not just somebody else's side, but to stand by your side, believer. That's who the helper is. Paracletos has a, a deeper meaning than that. It also means one who pleads another's case before a judge. So Paracletos, one who is summoned, called to one side or aid, Or one who pleads another's case before a judge. Several verses listed there on your outline. Psalm 75, 7. God is the judge. Isaiah 33, 22. The Lord is our judge. Isaiah 2, 4. He will judge the nations. Now, in general, 
We stand before a judge when we are accused of something. Accused of something. So with that in mind, look at Revelation 12, 9. Uh, These are verses that we are becoming very familiar with because they seem to apply to a lot of the stuff we've been looking at recently. So the, the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to earth and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the what? Accuser of our brethren who what? Accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. So Satan, day and night, accuses you and me before God the Father, the judge of the entire universe. And so the helper pleads our case. In God's great courtroom, he says, Objection, your honor. Everything that my client has been accused of may be true, but Jesus has paid the price. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit stands by our side. He pleads our case. But parakletos means even more than that. The last part of that definition is one who gives divine strength needed to undergo trials and persecution on behalf of the divine kingdom. One who gives divine strength strength. That's who the Holy Spirit is. A trial is a test. and So the Holy Spirit gives us strength to make it through the tests that we go through. Listen, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to make it through the test you are currently going through. Whatever difficult situations that you're facing, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you strength. Remember, it's all for His glory And he helps us do what God calls us to do. Notice one more thing again in John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, Jesus is talking here. And so the Helper, the Spirit of truth, will testify of Jesus. So you can write that down. The the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit was not given for our glory. The Holy Spirit was not given to bring attention to us, but to bring attention to Him. I think that may be where some of the misuse comes. When When we use the Holy Spirit for our glory to bring attention to us, that is not His job. As the Holy Spirit stands by the believer's side. He pleads our case before the judge of the universe. He gives divine strength and testifies of Jesus bringing attention to him, not to us. Ephesians 1.13 In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so number two on your outline, the Holy Spirit is our seal. The Holy Spirit is our seal. And what that means is that we are secure 
in him. God's word tells us that. And we can look at this in a, in a, in a couple different ways. Uh, just like uh, I can't be good enough to earn my salvation, neither can I be bad enough to lose it because the Holy Spirit has sealed me in Christ. No thing and no body can break that seal. We can also look at it like a, like a signature or a, a signet ring. In, in Bible times, a king would use a signet ring to make something official. And once something had the seal and the imprint of the king's ring on it, no one could change it. And so the Holy Spirit is God the Father's signet ring, his signature on his followers. No one can change what God has made official. So the Holy Spirit is our helper through trials. He stands by our side. He gives us strength. He puts God the Father's seal of approval on us through what Jesus has done on the cross. This is who the Holy Spirit is. Um, Man, in a nutshell, we could spend an entire summer just uh, studying the Holy Spirit. But remember the question that we started with is how? How do we do our part? How do we move forward? How do we live on mission? The answer is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question becomes... Well, how do we live in tune with the Holy Spirit? How do we seek God's will? How do we recognize God's voice? How do we tap into the power and purpose that God has for us through the Holy Spirit? And I, and I will tell you this, most of the time it is a process, but it starts with trust. Really, it starts and ends with trust, but we have to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Some practical things for us to move forward in our faith, to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Trust is defined as firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone. And in my experience, when I begin to sense God calling me to something, I begin to wrestle with it. Now, there are two different ways that we can wrestle with God. One is when we are just unwilling to do what he's called us to do. And so we dig in our heels and we're ready to fight back and push back. But the other is we wrestle with God just just to make sure, Lord, that this is the direction that you're calling me to. One is sinful, the other is not. Fighting against God is a sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken. But searching out his will is part of his will. So anytime we're, we're searching, we have a, a decision to make, you got to start by trusting. Trusting the Lord with all your heart. And leaning not on your own understanding or what you feel, simply trusting him Search him out where God is leading. Second, we have to read the word. We have to read the word. Trust God. Okay, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to listen for your voice. And I'm going to search it out through his word to see what direction he's calling me. So hear this. God will never contradict his word. 
He will, he will never lead us to do anything contradictory to His Word. We saw it last week. He, he will never lead you to do something contrary to His Word, even for your own happiness. Now, we, are, we are blessed to have the Bible as the foundation of truth that we can stand on and refer back to. And I believe that it is the biggest way that God speaks to his people. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about this. When do we need a lamp? When do we need a light? When it's dark. When we need help seeing. So when do we need the word that is a lamp and a light? When it's dark. When we need help seeing. I don't know about you, but I need help seeing every day. Would, uh, would anybody else agree uh, the Word of God can be difficult to read? Anybody else agree? Yeah? Just a, just a few. Okay, okay. I think it can be. Um, I mean, look at, um, look at some of those Old Testament passages. I mean, the begats. Um, I mean, it's just... Number, they're, they're tough to read. But let me ask you this question. Since when does something being difficult mean it's not worth it? You know, if, um, if we were going to be the best farmer or businessman or teacher or whatever we are, if we were going to be the best that we could be, we're going to give it our all. And it's going to be hard, but we know that it's going to be worth it. And so is the Word of God. And it, it, it always amazes me that how many of God's people just don't look at it. It's not always easy, but it's still rich. It's still the Word of God. It's still truth. It will help us see when it's dark, it will guide our paths if we live by it. It will be a firm foundation for our lives. And what we find out is when we begin to put the Word of God into our minds, it begins to seep into other areas of our lives, and it will affect other areas of our lives. It will change us, and so we need to read the Word. We have to trust the Lord and read His Word. Secondly, we need to confess sin. We need to confess any sin that we might have harbored in our hearts. Now, I said earlier, we're outlining a step-by-step process, but these can and should be done at the same time. I'm not going to trust in the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm trusting you today, so um, in about a month I'm going to start reading your word, and then two months from now I'm going to confess my sins. No, these first three, they happen simultaneously. Trust him, read the word, confess, and forsake Sinful habits. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, iniquity is another word for sin. And so if there are any areas in my life that I have not surrendered to God, if there are any dirty little secrets, any ungodly habits, any attitudes or beliefs that don't line up with God's word and his call to holiness, we need to upend those and confess them to him Repent and turn back to Jesus. Anything that God calls us to, 
Anything that God calls us to turn from and back to him, it's better. Just like we sang this morning, Jesus is better. He will not let you down. He will not turn his back on you. He will not stab you in the back. Jesus is better than anything that he calls us to give up. We will find freedom when we confess our sin, anything that we're hanging on to. Trust the Lord. Read the word. Search it out for his voice. Confess and repent sin in our lives. You guys know these already. These are just a good reminder. Next, we seek godly advice. Seek godly advice. A lot of times we don't have any trouble seeking ungodly advice. I mean, it is free wherever we look. But we have to seek godly advice. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now we're familiar with this verse. Figuratively, it speaks of someone strengthening someone else. And so think of it like a battle. That word countenance, it speaks of a soldier in battle. And so when he's weary... The presence of his friend will give him strength to keep going. And so it is with godly people that God has put in our lives. And so when you think of, when you hear a godly person, who comes to mind? Who has God put in your life to influence you, to speak his truth into your life? And we know that God can speak through anyone. In Numbers 22, he spoke through a donkey. And some people might say he speaks through donkeys every week. I get that. But who has God put in your life to speak to you? God will affirm and reaffirm his calling in your life. I was uh, telling somebody just uh, last week at lunch about how I, I surrendered to, to, into the ministry at age 17, 25 years ago, just right down the road here at Bates Creek Camp. And so he asked me, okay, so, so how did you know? How did you know that God was calling you to ministry? And, and my answer was, well, God put godly people in my, in my life to confirm that, just to speak his truth. Um, Jim, I can, I can see God using you in, in this area. And, and so more than one, that, that's what God just kind of does. He, he will confirm his direction. He will re, reaffirm his direction, no matter what it is, no matter what decision, through his word, through people, through circumstances. We can trust that he knows what we need. We, we, we can trust that he knows how to get through to our hearts. We can trust that he will do what needs to be done to speak to our hearts so that we will hear The choice becomes ours if we'll listen and obey or not. When we hear the same godly advice from different people, we can know that that's God's direction. I've heard it called a a godly majority. That's what God uses. A godly majority of godly people in your life to confirm the direction that he has for you. Trust the Lord. Trust God. Read the word. Confess any sin. Seek godly advice. Like I said, it, it, it starts and ends with trust. We also have to trust the Holy Spirit. We can trust the Holy Spirit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. 
and he will direct your paths. I think trust is the most difficult part of surrender. Trusting God to be who he says he is, even though we've seen him be that over and over and over again. Again, I think we're, we're, a lot of times we're okay with trusting God the Father, but trusting the Holy Spirit, maybe that's a different story. Maybe we're scared of him. We've tried to all but silence him, but the Holy Spirit is God. And when God says it, it is so. And so when he says he will direct your paths when you trust him with all your heart, then he will direct your paths when you trust him with all your heart. We can take him at his word. We can trust his Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that it was better for Jesus to leave so that he would come. The same Holy Spirit that helps us in our weaknesses. The same Holy Spirit that guides our paths and stands as our advocate in the great courtroom of God. The same Holy Spirit that is our seal that we are secure in Christ for all eternity. There is no one better that we can trust. We don't need to trust in our own abilities. We don't need to trust in what the world tells us. We can trust the Holy Spirit. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. As a follower of Jesus, we can trust Jesus. We can trust God. We can trust the Holy Spirit. Our God knows the best way to get through to us and for us to hear his voice. That word trust, it means to yield. So think of it like a yield sign. When you come to a yield sign, you let the person coming go ahead of you, and then you follow in right behind them. That's exactly what we're, we're supposed to do with our God. We yield to God. We trust the Holy Spirit. We follow his leadership. We obey him, and just like we saw last week, that's when he is glorified in our lives. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That word manifest means to make obvious. So when we obey, when we yield to God, he's going to make himself obvious us. He will direct our paths. We just have to give him control of each and every area of our lives. Don't we know that things just work out better when we submit control to him? See, church, that's when faith comes in. When we say, Lord, I I don't understand the big picture like you do. And I don't hold the entire world, the entire universe in my, in my hand like you do. And Lord, it doesn't feel like this is the, the, the right direction. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, like I'm supposed to be doing this, Lord. But Lord, I've, I've heard your voice. I'm going to trust it. I've heard it. You've confirmed it. I'm going to trust it. I submit control. To you. That's faith. That's faith. What's God calling you to do? As we put the, the, the church under investigation, what's God calling you to do here? I mean, this is, this is not only for here, but in your life, in your church life, in your relationships, in our homes, in our hobbies, 
Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we'll close with this. I like how the Holman Christian Standard reads this verse. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. As we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes? Of all of these things that it takes to, to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit, which one do you struggle with the most? Do you struggle with, with trusting God, yielding to Him, digging your heels in, wrestling against Him, just fighting tooth and nail? Listen, I know, I'm prone to it. Do you struggle with, with reading the Word? Do you struggle with confessing sin? Is it hard for you to seek godly advice? Which one do you struggle with the most? As we, as we look at uh, who the Holy Spirit is, which one means the most to you at this point in your life? He's our helper. You need help this morning. You're carrying a weight that you're not designed to, to bear. You need help. You need somebody to stand by your side. Well, the God of the universe does. Your advocate, your seal. Have you been struggling with doubts in your faith? The Holy Spirit is our seal. We can't be good enough to earn it. We can't be bad enough to lose our salvation because it doesn't depend upon us. It's all about what Jesus has done. So our altar will be open here this morning. If you need to come and pray, you, you do that. If there are any here among us this morning who would say, you know what, I, I don't know if I know Jesus. And if I stood before God today and he asks me, why should I let you in? I wouldn't have an answer. It's a, it's a deep question especially for early in the morning, but it's one that we all have to consider. Listen, none of us deserve to go to heaven. We all deserve to go to hell because of our sin. But God's done something about that through Jesus who came to die on a cross, pay the penalty that my sin deserved and the penalty that your sin deserved. It takes faith to believe this, and faith is more than just knowing stories about God and about Jesus. Faith is trusting in Jesus with your heart. Say, Lord, I realize that you are the, the one and only Son of God who can save me from my sins. I believe that. And I, I know that I'm a sinner that doesn't deserve it, but Lord, I accept your free gift so that I can have eternal life. If you have questions about that this morning, I would love to try to answer those before you leave. You allow the Lord to, to work in your heart as we go in this time of invitation. Lord, we invite you to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
It is uh, good to open the Word of God with you this morning. We're going to start in the book of John. And we are just uh, continuing our summer series that we just have simply uh, titled An Investigation, where we are just asking the standard who, what, when, where, why, how questions of things of the church and the church itself. Now, by now, hopefully, we are all on the same page, and we know that the church is so much more than a building it is the people, and, and we are God's number one plan to take the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, to a lost and dying world. We've seen that the church will not be overcome by anything. The church will last forever. The church is the most glorious building project in the entire world, and we are called to live on mission. Last week, we asked the question, why? Why should we be the church. Why should we live on mission? Why should we let our lights shine? Why should I do my part in this church? And the answer is for the glory of God. And it comes down to the difference between cats and dogs. We examine the book, Cat and Dog Theology. Dog Theology says, Lord, you love me. You bless me abundantly. You gave your life for me. You must be God. Cat theology says, Lord, you love me, you bless me abundantly, you gave your life for me, I must be God. We saw that it is an issue of obedience, it's an issue of the heart, but ultimately it is all about God. All of creation is made in such a way that it pleases Him. All of creation is made so that God will enjoy it. He shares it with us, but it is made for Him. Every atom of every physical creation listens to him until you get to his most precious creation, you and me, and we're the only ones that tell him no. Last week's message, it caused me to, eval- to evaluate my own life. My obedience is what honors my God, but I so often live for my glory instead. Whose glory do you live for? Where do you find your purpose What platform has God currently given you, whether you like it or not, that he's calling you to give him glory from? Those are some very, very deep questions that are sometimes tough to answer, but we all all need to. The question today, how? How are we supposed to move forward? How are we supposed to live on mission? How in the world am I supposed to glorify God from the platform he's given me, especially if I don't like it? Well, the simple yet very complicated answer is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're looking at today. In John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says something that really has always kind of just blown my mind. Verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, Jesus speaking here, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So just just picture Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, it's to your advantage that I leave so that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will come. Because in my mind, I think, well, wouldn't it be better if, if Jesus stayed so that we could hang out and, and be with him? But according to him, it's better for his followers for us to have the Holy Spirit. 
And, and let's just be honest, many times in Baptist churches, we don't really like to talk much about the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if we're, we're scared of Him. I mean, many of us might agree, um, the Holy Spirit has been misused in the past, and so to ensure that that wouldn't happen, we've all but removed Him. Well, I don't think we need to be scared of Him. And yet we do need to guard against misuse. But there is evidence throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. He is equal to God the Father and God the Son. So what do we know besides all of this? The Holy Spirit is God. What do we know about Him that makes it better for Him to be here than Jesus? Well, number one on your outline. We see that the Holy Spirit is the helper. He's called the helper and the the spirit of truth in John 15. Look at verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Think about the monumental task the early disciples had. To get Christianity off the ground, in the midst of immense persecution that was coming from all sides. Now, ultimately, it was rooted and fueled by Satan, but they needed help. Think about us. Well, we don't have the, the same persecution that they did. Our job is to keep it going. And I don't know about you, but I need help. It's not a coincidence that the Holy Spirit is called the helper. The Greek word there is parakletos. Parakletos. Say that with me. Parakletos. And it may be translated as helper or comforter or advocate, depending on what what, what version you're looking at. But here's part of the definition of parakletos. It is one who is summoned, called to one's side or aid. And so this tells us that the Holy Spirit is summoned, called to one's side or aid. And so if you know Jesus, you are not alone. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is right there with you. And so when when God calls you to do your part, even when it seems impossible... When God calls you to live on mission, whatever God is calling you to do, He doesn't just say, I want you to do this and say, good luck with that. No, He sends the helper to stand by your side. Not just my side, not just your neighbor's side. To stand by your side. The parakletos has a deeper meaning than that. It also means one who pleads another's case before a judge. One who pleads another's case before a judge. Now, several verses listed there in your outline. Psalm 75, 7. God is the judge. Isaiah 33, 22. The Lord is our judge. Isaiah 2, 4. He will judge between the nations. Now, in general... One stands before a judge when they are accused of something. So with that in mind, look at Revelation 12, 9-11. We are becoming more and more familiar with these verses because they just seem to relate to a lot of the stuff that we're talking about recently. 
Verse 9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard the voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the what? Accuser of our brethren who what? Accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. So we see Satan is the accuser. Incessantly he accuses you and me before God the Father, the judge of the universe. And as the helper, as Paracletos, he stands by our side and pleads our case. And in the great courtroom of God, he looks at God the judge and says, Objection, your honor. Everything my client has been accused of may be true, but Jesus has paid the price. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit stands by our side. He pleads our case. But Paracletos has even more, an even deeper meaning. The last part is one who gives divine strength. One who gives divine strength needed to overcome trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. So one who needs strength. If you're in a trial, a test, you need strength. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who gives that strength through tests. Through all of life's difficult circumstances. And as soon as I say difficult circumstances, if you've got one... You're already thinking about it. You probably walked in here thinking about it. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you strength to get through it. And He helps you give glory to God through it all. Remember, it's all about His glory. The Holy Spirit helps us to do what we're called to do. Notice one more thing in John 15, 26. We already read it, but read it again. But when the Helper comes, this is Jesus speaking again. Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will testify of him. And you can, you can write that down. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. It's for his glory and not ours. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to bring attention to us. It was to bring attention to Jesus. I think that's when the misuse has come. When we use the Holy Spirit for our glory to bring attention to us, but that's not His job. As the helper, the Holy Spirit stands by the believer's side. If you're a believer, this is true of you. He pleads our case before the judge of the universe. He gives divine strength and testifies of Jesus, bringing attention to Him and not us but one more thing number two on your outline the holy spirit is our seal he is our seal look at ephesians 1 13 in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise so having believed in jesus 
you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our seal. And what that means is that we are secure in Christ. I think we can look at that at least a couple of different ways. And one is, uh, just like you and I can't be good enough to earn our salvation, neither can we be bad enough to lose it. Because the Holy Spirit has sealed us in Christ. And no one or no thing can break that seal. But I also think we can look at it like, like a signet ring, like a, like a signature. In Bible times, a king would have a, a, signet, a signet ring to make something official. And once, he had the, once something had the seal of the king on it, then it was official and no one could change it. And so the Holy Spirit is God the Father's signet ring on our hearts. No one can change what God has made official. And that's good news. The Holy Spirit is our helper through trials. He stands by our side to give us strength. He puts God, God the Father's seal of approval on us through what Jesus has done on the cross. This is who, in a nutshell, who the Holy Spirit is. And we could honestly spend all summer on this subject. But remember the question was how? That's, how, that's what we started with. How do we do our part? How do we move forward? How do we live on mission? And the answer was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question becomes, well, how do we live in tune with the Holy Spirit? How do we seek God's will? How do we recognize His voice? How do we tap into the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit? What I've discovered is most of the time it is, it's a process, but it really starts and ends with trust. You can write these down. It starts with trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The word trust is defined as firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone. And in my experience, when I sense God calling me to something, I begin to wrestle with it. And there are two ways that we can wrestle with God. One way is when we, we dig our heels in and we begin to push back because we're not willing to do what God wants us to do. The other way is when we wrestle with God just to make sure, okay, Lord, I, I, I sense that you're trying to send me in this direction, but I just want to be sure, is this the direction that you're calling me to? One is sinful. One way to wrestle with God is sinful, but one is not. Fighting against God is a sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken But searching out his will is part of his will. And so anytime you have a decision to make, you have to start by trusting the Lord with all your heart. It's interesting that that God had to put in with all your heart, didn't he? It would have been easier if he didn't put that part in. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and then everything's going to be fine. That's not what it says, is it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Your heart. And lean not on your own understanding or what you feel. We just trust Him 
to search out what his heart is for ours. Secondly, we need to read the word. We need to read the word. And, and church, I know you've, you've heard all of these. these. This is nothing new. But it still never ceases to amaze me how many of God's people are not in the word on a regular basis. Hear this. God will never contradict his word. He'll never contradict his word. He will never lead you to do something that is contrary to his word. We saw it last week. He will never lead you to do something contrary to his word, even for your happiness. Now, we are we're blessed to have the Bible as the foundation of truth that we can stand on and refer back to. And I believe that it is the biggest way that God speaks to our hearts. Psalm 119.105, you guys know this one. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When do we need a lamp or a light? When it's dark. When we can't see. So when do we need the word? When it's dark, when we can't see. And church, I need help seeing every day. How many of you would agree that God's Word can be difficult to read? Anybody else agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah. It can. I mean, you, you look at some of the Old Testament, they're, they're difficult to read. But let me ask you this. Since when does difficult equal not worth it? If we wanted to be the best business owner or teacher or whatever career that we're in, we would be all in. We would realize, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be difficult, but it's it's gonna be worth it. And and so is the word of God. It's not always easy. You don't have to start in those hard passages. It's not always easy, but it's still rich. It's still truth. It still helps us see even in the darkness, even when we need help seeing. It will guide our paths if we live by it. It will be the firm foundation for our lives. And what we find is when we begin to put the Word of God into our minds, that begins to seep into other areas of our lives, and the Word of God changes us for the better, for the glory of God. And so we need to be in the Word. Trust the Lord. Read the Word. Confess sin. We've got to confess our sins. Any sin that might be harbored in our heart. Now, um, we are outlining a, a process here, but these three, they should be done at the, at simultaneously. It's not as if one day, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust the Lord, and then in a month I'm going to start reading the Word, and then, um, and then eventually I'm going to confess my sins. All these happen at the same time. Trust Him, read the Word, confess and forsake sinful habits. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, iniquity is a kind of a churchy word, but it means sin. 
So if there are any areas in our lives that we have not surrendered to God, if there are any dirty little secrets, any ungodly habits or attitudes or beliefs that don't line up with God's word and his call to holiness, then we need to completely upend them and confess them and repent of them, meaning we turn from them and turn to Jesus. Because anything that God calls us to give up is for something better. Jesus is better. Just like we sang the song today. He will not let you down. He will not turn his back on you. He will not stab you in the back. Jesus is better than anything that he calls you to give up. You will find freedom when you confess the sins that you're hanging on to. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes we have to confess our sins in order to find that. Trust the Lord. Read the Word. Search out. Search it for His voice. Confess and repent of any sin. And then fourth, seek godly advice. Seek godly advice. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, figuratively, uh, we're probably familiar with this verse. Figuratively, that, that verse speaks of someone, someone strengthening another person. And we can kind of look at it like a, in a battle. That word countenance, it speaks of a soldier in battle. And so when he is weary from battle, when his companion comes in, he's strengthened and given the strength to, to fight, to keep going. And so it is with godly people that he puts in our lives. And so my next question for you is, When you think of a godly person, who comes to mind? Who has God put in your life that you can seek godly advice from? We know that God can use anyone to speak truth. Numbers 22, he spoke through a donkey. Uh, Some might say that he speaks through donkeys all the time, and that's, that's okay. But who has God put in your life to give you godly advice. I can think of many times uh, that God just used godly people to confirm the direction that He wanted me to go and to reaffirm the direction that He wanted me to go. I was talking last week at lunch about how God called me to ministry. I was 17 years old, 25 years ago, just right down the road here at Bates Creek. And, and uh, Tim, he asked me, so how, how did you know that, that God was calling you to ministry? And I said, my, my first answer was, well, he sent people to, into my life to confirm the direction that he was calling me and to reaffirm that. That's, that's what he does through his word, through his people, through circumstances. God will confirm, he will reaffirm what he's trying to tell you. We can trust That he knows what we need. We can trust that that he knows how to get through to our hearts. We can trust that he will do whatever it takes to get through, to speak to our hearts. Whatever it is he's trying to tell us. The choice becomes ours if we're going to listen and obey or not. But when you hear the same advice, the same godly advice from a number of people, that's when you know it's God's will. A godly majority. That's what God uses. So trust 
God. Read the word. Confess sin. Seek godly advice. And not only that, we got to trust the Holy Spirit. Remember, it starts and ends with trust. And really, trust is the most difficult part of surrender, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Again, I think sometimes we're okay with trusting the Father. I mean, He's, he's our Father. Then when we trust the Holy Spirit, maybe a different story. We're scared of Him. We've tried to silence Him. But the Holy Spirit is God. And when God says it, it is so. When He says He will direct our paths, when we trust Him with all of our hearts, He will direct our paths when we trust Him with all of our hearts. We can take Him at His word. We can trust the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that was, it was better for Jesus to leave so that He would come. It's the same Holy Spirit that helps us in our weaknesses. It's the same Holy Spirit that guides our paths and stands as our advocate. The same Holy Spirit that seals us in Christ. God's seal of approval. There's no one better we can trust. But we can trust the Holy Spirit. John 10, 27, as we begin to close. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. As a follower of Jesus, as, as one of his sheep, we can trust that he knows the best way to get through to our hearts. I can trust he knows the best way to get through even my wicked heart. That word trust, it means to yield. So think about when we're driving. You come to a yield sign, you let the person go ahead of you, and then you follow in behind them. That's a beautiful picture of what we're supposed to do with God. Lord, I admit, I don't understand all of this, but I'm not holding the entire universe in my hand. So even when I don't understand it, even when I, I, it it doesn't feel like you're in control, I'm going to trust that you are. I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to let you go ahead, and I'm going to follow your leadership. When we do that, that's when we begin to glorify our God. We go into a time of invitation. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commandment and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That word manifest, it means to make obvious. And so, we know his commands, when we hear his voice, and we're obedient to that, that's when God makes himself obvious. We could trust that. Just bow your head and close your eyes as we invite the Lord to come here this morning. What has he said to you through his word? Of those five things it takes to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, which one do you struggle with the most? 
you struggle with trust, it's the hardest part of surrender. You struggle with reading the word. Maybe today you make a point to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get back. I know I need it. And so I'm going to make it a point because I know that's the, your, your biggest way of speaking to my heart and my heart so easily grows cold. What godly people has he put in, in your life? Aren't you thankful for the godly people that he puts in your life? all those things that the Holy Spirit is which one do you need the most right now a helper are you, are you walking through the most difficult situation believer you have the help you need you are equipped to walk through this just like the word is not always easy so is life but it's still going to be worth it. When you walk through with the Holy Spirit, you come out the other side, and you can give Him the glory for it. Maybe uh, the enemy continues to just accuse you. I know that some walked in here just full of regret. Satan always seems to bring those up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit, He stands in your defense. And He's the best lawyer anyone could ever have. Are you struggling with your faith? Do you have doubts? How could God save a person like me? The Holy Spirit is His seal upon you. Just like you can't be good enough to earn it, you can't be bad enough to lose it either. And so thankful for that. It doesn't depend upon us. As we go into this time, man, the altar is is open. We acknowledge that God can hear our prayers wherever we are, but sometimes there's nothing like coming to an old-fashioned altar and just leaving it here. You have questions about a relationship with Jesus. Because when you look back on your life and you think, well, if God asked me the question, if I met him today and he asked me, why should I let you in? I really don't have an answer. Well, the truth is that none of us deserve to be there. But because of what Jesus has done, he's paid the way. And you can be sure of where you would spend eternity today. The altar's open. Would you stand? Lord, we invite you to come. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Let him move here. In the name of Jesus, we pray.